Yo. Episode 24, right? Yeah. Episode 24. Bathroom of the future. Future bathrooms. Future loos. Uh, Tim is on the way over to my house. My apartment, actually. Uh, we're going to record an episode as soon as Timmy gets over here. Um, check them out on Spotify. They just dropped a new album recently. Um, I would say it's for fans of like Roswell Kid. If you're a fan of Roswell Kid, uh, I would check. I would check out Bathroom in the Future. Sort of like that punk with like the tongue-in-cheek lyrics. Uh, you can tell they're having fun. So yeah, Roswell Kid, Bathroom in the Future. Check that out. Um, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Invite the Neighbors. Uh, if you want to contribute a dollar a month to me, if like 10 people do that, that'll be awesome. <laughs> It'll help me keep the podcast on air. Uh, if enough people do it, I can move to consistently do it to a week if I can get enough band schedule. Um, check out Out of This World Booking and Church Street Booking for local shows. Um, and if you're in a band and you want to come on the podcast, shoot me an email. Uh, invite the neighbors at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I, I rarely say no. Only time I say no to people is if uh, scheduling conflicts arise. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please rate review the podcast. No one ever actually does that, so it's all good. Just keep listening. I love you. Mike, check Good. Al's beef. Chatting me up. <laughs> we go. Does it get anything? Yeah, you drinking milk so, right now? Uh, no, actually, it's that box <laughs> water shit. Yeah, you know, oh, what, okay. you know what you want to do right before you start saying is just chug a lot of dairy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just start like. Yeah. yeah. So, so like the Ramones, I guess they used to drink like a lot of YooHoo and eat a lot of pizza right before they played, so really? then they wouldn't have to like stop for dinner. But then Joey started noticing, like, man, my throat feels like shit. Like two songs in, what happened? It's like you guys can't just pound yoo-hoos before you go on stage. It like it, it like thickens up your throat. Yeah, right? like, it's, like it's boogers, you know, just yeah, grossness. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I love yoo-hoo, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it right before I have any sort of like public speaking. Right, <laughs> yoo-hoo, showing your age right at the get-go. Oh yeah, coming in hot, coming yeah. in hot. I'm, I'm a man that's bought yoo-hoo at a Seven Eleven at some point Dude, in the early nineties. Yeah. yeah, I definitely have. <laughs> we are uh, hot and rolling, by the way. Sick. So yeah, no more no more offensive comments. Oh crap, yeah. No. <laughs> Edit out that first twenty minutes. I got political opinions and they're not good. Yeah, I like to usually usually start with politics or religion. <laughs> most, just to just to warm up. Right, exactly. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about eating meat? Oh yeah. <laughs> Where are we landed on this? Then everyone tunes in immediately afterward. Are you a bad person if you've ever eaten meat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Tim. That's bathroom me. of the future. That is us. So, no, did you fire the rest of your band? Or I, we, you know what, actually, this joke has been made several times since we were recording our full length earlier this year, but yeah, I'm just going full Corgan now. Oh, I, yeah. I snuck in and I re-recorded everybody's parts when they were done, and it's just two hired hands that kind of look like the last two guys ah, on shows okay. with me. It's, it, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm torpedoing this whole thing now. So the Joe Rogan podcast is next, then. <laughs> it's yep. the Invite the Neighbors effect, and eventually, yep. you know, the rest of like the major yep. podcasts, NPR is going to be wanting you, Tiny Desk is on its way. I think, sure. I think I have to own a wrestling company now, too, or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't... 
I don't like Billy Corgan, but I'm impressed by how busy he still is. Like, yeah, you feel like he'd be one of those dudes that kind of went away after 2000. But well, he had a shit ton of money. That's true. That's you true. Know? <laughs> like he can indulge all his like niche interests. Like same with Tom DeLonge. Like, <laughs> you know, and you know what? That's that's actually kind of funny. And like, I, I don't want to talk bad about my man, Tom, but I feel like out of the two of those guys, the one of them that would have turned into like the right wing Alex Jones guy, you would assume would be the aliens dude. Yeah. And the dude who owns the wrestling company, you would assume would be the like doofus surfer like bro libertarian pop punk. Like, yeah, yeah. E- exactly. Exactly. I feel like those two guys are kind of the exact opposite of what you would have assumed. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Tom DeLong, too, I saw this really funny Hard Times article that uh-huh. was like overzealous Matt Skiba sends resume to Green Day. <laughs> Considering how much Billy Joe Armstrong loves poaching other dudes' guitarists, I feel like that's a non-zero chance. Right. Right? Like, there is... It's entirely possible that one day there's going to be some fest in California where Matt hops up on stage to do, like, an Op Ivy cover. Yeah. And then it's then it's all over with. Now he's in everyone's band. Who is the, who is the guitarist that uh, Green Day got? They added like the touring guitarist around mm-hmm. like the American idiot that was like the really crazy hair. I'm pretty sure if it's the same dude still, and I believe it is, he was, I believe he was in Dillinger four for a time, oh, which is okay. kind of quote unquote, the band that Billy Joe, Billy Joe stole the riff to American idiot from. Oh really? So apparently there's no hard feelings, but they're, but they're another one of those bands where I'm pretty sure their bass player is also in like five other bands at any given time. So I don't oh, think okay. anybody minds that yeah. now he puts on like a pork pie hat and plays rhythm guitar behind a curtain for green day. Right. Right. <laughs> I was surprised like they, I, okay. So not surprised. Like when I was a kid, I was confused. Mm-hmm. Cause like around the time that I was like learning to play guitar, yep. like fantasizing about being in a band was like around you know eighth grade i was in eighth grade when american idiot came out okay yeah and so like and i I noticed that they had had this fourth guitar player and like why isn't he in the posters (laughs) you know (laughs) no that's that's super fair yeah because when you're younger you assume like oh these are the people that are in this band this is like a solid lineup and you just add or subtract as needed and then you get you get older and you find out that Tim Armstrong doesn't play a single one of his guitar parts live when you see Rancid and then right yeah <laughs> things like that it's just, that are just kind of weird. No, I I agree fully. I you know what actually to kind of go back a couple steps though to to I guess further emphasize our age difference. The most recent Green Day album when I was in eighth grade was Warning. Oh okay, and I that was two thousand two. I, I want to say like one or two. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for that album, but like that's it was exciting being like right. the newest one. You Wasn't know? it just Brain Stew was like the hit on that one? That one, that one had like that was the one where they tried being kind of like acoustic or, for a second. It was like Macy's Day Parade. It was, it was, yeah, it's Macy's Day Parade, yeah. that friggin' minority song that I yeah, super liked yeah. for a second. Yeah, yeah. And then got played eight times a day at the mall, right? Yeah. When you're that age or at the mall. That was one of the riffs that I learned. Oh, nice. I don't think I could still do that. So if if I ever need to be in a Green Day tribute, it's your problem now. Oh, yeah. I didn't finger pick it. But who does? I mean, <laughs> Billy Joe Armstrong finger picking. We're not. We're not looking at like Tash Sultana. You know what I mean? We're not looking. <laughs> I don't think Billy Joe Armstrong's gonna have any fun YouTube videos where it shows yeah. him like tapping the wood of the right. acoustic guitar through a looper. And, and no you know? offense, Billy, if you're listening. No, no. I'm sure he's out there. He's a big fan. We love yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, he he gave me my first review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Two stars. Yeah, right. he's not on it yet. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> fuck you, man. Come on, Billy. Right, right. God, just fuck give me a piece of the pie you know? <laughs> so how long uh oh if you haven't gathered so the episodes are very conversational i don't That's do fine. i don't do a lot of like i'm not good at interviewing because i feel like to to straight up interview somebody mm-hmm. you, there has to be like a level of detachment from 
the subject. And like, and if, if I was going to interview you about being a musician uh-huh. and not interject and have conversations about it, uh-huh. I would have to be detached from it. I feel like you'd, you'd almost have to not be a musician. Exactly. Right? Like I, I feel like I saw that. I saw that documentary about jawbreaker earlier this year. And there was okay, a, a clip of it when they were getting interviewed by some radio station right after they got their major label deal. And it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. It is the most awkward thing. It's like some dude sitting on a desk, holding up a microphone, like across the room from the guys can't pronounce most of their last names. Cause yeah. everyone in jawbreaker is like, you know, crazy German last names. Yeah. I've never like the, the jawbreaker lore or whatever, yeah. was something that I, I missed, but like, uh, I'm going to see them at riot fest. Hey, they'll be per- there. Perfect. You'll be, you'll be two miles back behind a bunch of dudes yeah. my age or older, all yeah. wearing the same Lawrence arms hoodie. It all, de- <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on like who else is playing at the time though. Cause they're not at the top of my list, honestly, just because like I, I would never really got into them. I never they, tried to get into them. That's one of those, that's one of those buses. I feel like obviously this goes for, I would say most like pop punk bands or any music in that, in that vein. But they're one of those, if you weren't on the jawbreaker bus between like, 17 and 20 you're probably not going to be later and i say yeah, that as somebody yeah. who listened to one jawbreaker album endlessly for six months my senior year of high school so clearly i did get the fever but i can yeah, absolutely yeah. understand why people would not do you are you aware of like any of like the emo revival bands like some of like or the indie punk bands that are like the younger ones that are like coming up nowadays we're talking like tiger's jaw kind of stuff or, yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. like i'm trying to figure out like what would be like a modern day comparison to jawbreaker even though jawbreaker's still around but like one of like the younger generation you know that's that's a that's a good question actually i think a lot of it kind of divided off like emo bands i would almost argue at least these days like the revival stuff almost seems to take a little more from because uh, he's the same guy from jets to brazil blake is he's the singer in both of them okay and i feel like a lot of like kind of modern day emo revival bands tend to jock jets to Brazil a little more because their songs are a little longer and they got more like clean guitars and stuff. Whereas, and maybe I'm just thinking about right now because I was thinking about Tiger's Jaw and they're playing together uh, in a couple months, but like a lot of the really big jawbreaker devotees kind of turn into like the Menzingers. The kind of okay. like, okay. like sad dad, older guy, like not, not gaslight anthem, but just like old dude in a denim jacket who loves whiskey and books. Oh, sounds exactly like the Menzingers. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, and you, I, you and again, it. I say that loving the Menzingers. But yeah, like yeah. I feel like you can go, draw kind of a straight line between like Blake from Jawbreaker talking about like Kerouac books, straight on to like <laughs> any problems the Menzingers have in their lyrics. Oh, you know? okay. Uh, I have to mention Hard Times again. There's another great Hard Times <laughs> article about the Menzingers. Like, okay, Menzingers released new full length about uh, something about coaching little league baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i totally butchered that but they were just like no, it, making fun of like the nostalgia thing that no they it go is for. it is absolutely that I'm, I'm absolutely guilty of that too. i love the menzingers though no i'm about to say i think that's why i like them so much because it's that sort of well i forget who i'm sure somebody on like some comedy podcast i, I was listening to said something and uh, that was a terrible way to start the story please nobody think i'm some <laughs> kind of comedy expert um but it was something like Comedy tends to work best when it's super specific, and I feel like you can kind of say uh, okay. that about lyrics, too. I feel like like Jeff Rosenstock, like, Jeff, I don't know the guy you're talking about. I have not read Alternative Press in 15 years, and I don't know why you're so mad at Long Island, but I can still relate to it because it's incredibly yeah. specific, and I still know how it feels. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like the Menzingers kind of work on that, too. It's like, yeah, you know what? I was... I was born a few years after you guys, and I did not ever play like soccer in a backyard somewhere in Minneapolis. But I, <laughs> right. I know why you feel like this. They they do a really good job of like the in, in the Menzingers lyrics. They do a really good job of like 
being really specific, but leaving it vague enough to where you can like make the story yours it, instead of theirs. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's they're, they're very good at that, and that's a hard balance to strike. You know. Yeah, I'm actually more a bigger fan. I think of uh, the dude's brother, Captain. We're sinking. Which is like the, I did not know they were brothers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm no, I believe sure it. I, I believe it. That is wild. Yeah, I I love Captain. We're sinking. Uh, I think I wish they would release more. But <laughs> like the Menzingers are prolific. They're constantly cranking it. I, out, I right am now. a little surprised they already have a full length coming out this year, right? Cause yeah. Like, even like any band, no matter how big you are, like these days, having another release within a year or two of your last one is like kind of hauling ass these days. Yeah. You know? Especially if like musically, you're not breaking new ground each time no no you know what i mean you can't yeah right it's like like, it's the same type of the genre is they're not changing a whole lot about their sound so it's like it kind of starts to blend together for me it no i i can absolutely see that and especially that you're probably onto something there because that's probably how they're getting stuff out that quickly right like i absolutely love the last menzinger's album i'm probably going to love the new one but yeah given that it's you know two years difference Okay, you guys probably you guys probably still have that sort of vaguely like folk punk Bruce Springsteen thing happening right now, and it's fine. Right, I'll absolutely buy this album part two. But uh, you maybe you're onto something. I can't go into it assuming like, wow, this is the album where they have like keyboard and saxophone. (laughs) Right, 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 (laughs) right. And there's a there's bands like uh, like Manchester Orchestra, yeah, that I love. That they seem to come out with a lot of albums, but each album really, really, I feel like has its own identity. And like they really managed to like change their sound enough to where it's like them still, but mm-hmm. that album is that album. Yes. You you wouldn't confuse any of the songs off of this album as being on the other ones. No, I I think that's a great point actually, and uh, the fact that they can pull that off consistently is good because every once in a while you get you get bands where it's like, hey, we've been around for a second. Here's an album that's even kind of slightly different, right? And I feel like the quality on that's usually kind of a crapshoot. Like I, I was just listening to them earlier today, actually, but uh, the Hold Steady just came out with a new okay. album, and I love it to death because it kind of sounds like the older stuff that we're all sort of used to. But then they had an album like it's been like five years since their last one, and it was weird and dark, and they didn't have the keyboard player, and okay. I kind of didn't care for it. And I know I'm not super alone in that opinion. So I feel like it, it's sick that when somebody like Manchester Orchestra, or actually I, I would almost say Jeff Rosenstock too, in maybe a more subtle way, but like when those dudes can evolve without like losing why people like them. In yeah. A way. Especially when their voices are kind of distinctive too. It, yeah, exactly. So that, that helps. Yeah. It, like, yeah, exactly. Like the whole study, like I absolutely love that dude just like talking through yeah. the entire song. Right? It's like cake. It's like a weird, like <laughs> yeah, indie yeah. rock cake. What are you doing? Cat. <laughs> kicking it yeah she's just chilling luke the cat so like what are your uh i was listening to um a little bit of the the recent album what is that mm-hmm. called again words i had okay yeah so yeah. i was i listened to a little bit of that and it reminded me like my first thought was like a little bit of like roswell kid you know what actually thank you i yeah. I, I i will absolutely take that as a compliment i freaking love roswell kid and you know they were they're one of those things that i feel like kind of influenced me not so much in like not so much in sound, right? Because I feel like Roswell Kid is a little more in kind of that like indie pop pseudo Weezer, yeah, almost yeah. Prince Daddy ish kind of kind of vibe, right? But Roswell Kid kind of does that thing we were talking about earlier with like the extremely specific lyrics, where like Roswell Kid has a song called UHF on DVD, and like <laughs> even if I had never seen UHF, I would know exactly what they were talking about. And like, it, do you know a band called Ozma? 
No. They were around for just like a second around like the turn of the millennium. They were this California band. They were one of the first, I would argue, almost one of the first bands where people were like, hey, this kind of sounds like Weezer. Oh, okay. Right? But they they remind me a lot of, I would almost say Roswell Kid takes just as much from them as they do anybody else because it's very much the same kind of thing. You know, it's the super specific lyrics. It's the very yeah, like, heavy guitar but pop melody thing. Yeah, that that was what what made me think Roswell Kid more yeah. was like the lyrics. Yeah, it seemed like thank you. That, that a means bit, a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like I don't know if tongue in cheek is the right word, but like definitely like playful, not like super serious, but still like specific. There's like there's weight to it, but not like a super. It's not hard to listen to. Okay, no, you know thank I mean? you. That's that's honestly exactly what I shoot for. Because there there are bands that like I will listen to it as like boy, these are. These are not lyrics like I would feel comfortable saying to strangers and I'm glad someone yeah, did, you know, yeah. so I and then and that's kind of what I shoot for, because like, obviously, I got, you know, I got sadness. Who doesn't? But I, right. I I don't consider myself like a super heavy person. So it would I feel like it would be sort of disingenuous for me if I really sat down and I was just like, all right, straight up, just I'm going to write some Fugazi lyrics. And yeah, this is clearly where I'm coming from. It, it, it's not that it would be sort of un, untruthful. Yeah, that makes sense. For me, it's weird because like I like some of my lyrics, I feel like I'm revealing too much, but I'll, I'm like, I'm being honest, mm-hmm. but it also the music, like the lyrics I put out it shows like a side of myself that only really comes out with the music. It, exactly. I'm such a, I'm a fucking silly goose <laughs> all the time, but like my music is not like that at all. Right. Right. So it's, it's weird to like, I've said this a million times on this podcast, but it's like, it's weird to play shows sometimes because like I'm fucking around before the show. Yeah. I'm joking around with other bands during their sets, things yeah. like that, having a good time. And then when it's time for me to play, I've established with the room, I've established with everybody there that I joke around and then I'm playing this super like serious music. Exactly. And in between songs, I don't know how to banter. (laughs) Like (laughs) that is the worst, right? Like, yeah, as soon as I have to start like retuning before like our last few songs, that is the most anxiety inducing moment of the night. Yeah. (laughs) I, I keep saying this. I need to just get like a looper and like play samples during that time no exactly just actually going back to blake from jawbreaker he had a third band called forgetters that i saw forever ago and they were fantastic they only played michigan like twice before oh, they, okay before they broke up so jawbreaker could get back together but he was kind of doing that same thing at like a sampler pedal and then in between songs he would just play like audio clips from just like super depressing documentaries yeah <laughs> and it stopped him from having to talk but like you were saying also really brought the mood down you know yeah <laughs> it kind of you know what it it allows you to like take your set and turn it into like a a, a piece you know, yes. like you know what i mean you, you, like not yeah. to sound pretentious but like to make it a thing no i, you I think you're more right though like because it's more cohesive right because you go to yeah. most like because you know my band sounding like it does nine times out of ten we just play punk shows right so it's like all right everyone's gonna get through these like you know two three minute pop punk songs and then there's gonna there's gonna be a pause where somebody has to joke about oh the bass player needs to take a drink and then the, the songs can start again right like you, yeah so i feel like you're right about the pretension thing because I think you really have to ride like a fine line as to like what samples you're filling that space with. But I feel yeah. like yeah, you're you're absolutely right though. It does make it way more like cohesive and kind of engaging in a weird way. Yeah, I've almost thought like I need to get that and then just like be maybe just not talk to anybody <laughs> like before the show. Maybe not talk to anybody till afterwards. Right, right, and this make friends then yeah as much yeah as much as like i'm not trying to be like mysterious prima right. donna or anything like that i just feel like i'm hurting my own perception of the the product i'm trying to put out there by like being a certain silly goose and having like creating expectations that are not going to be met at all see i almost think that that kind of helps though because i 
I won't name names because I like them very much, and they're one of my all-time favorite bands, but there was an emo band from the 90s that still gets together and performs every once in a while. I saw them in Michigan like eight years ago over in Lansing, and I'd always kind of heard internet, I, you know, I was way out of the scene or whatever, but I always kind of read internet rumors like, I don't know, their singer's kind of a dick, he always looks like he wants to get right back off stage, and oh. it's like... It, you know, exactly. It's one of those things where, like, I don't know, man, his music's, his music's that heavy. I guess I wouldn't be surprised. And I saw him, and he was exactly that dude. Yeah. Right. So I almost feel like that almost kind of helps, like, connect with fans better. It's like, okay, he can express these things that I'm also feeling, but he's not a complete stick in the mud. Yeah. He needs to, like, leave early and doesn't want to do an encore kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, also, too, like, if, if a certain type of, like, if it's, like, a heavy content yeah. sort of style, then, like... Do you really expect them to be like super gregarious, super outgoing? Like it's some might it sometimes might make sense that that person who's putting on that type of show exactly wants to be alone. Exactly. No, it's su- it super does. But then also, I I think people would expect that maybe you don't feel like that all the time. You right. know, like like uh, Josh from the Smoking Popes. I read an interview with him once that I I really liked. He was talking about how he tends to have a lot of like kind of. He almost does like personas in some of his songs where some of his lyrics are like kind of creepy and it's like, oh, this is sort of romantic, but now you're a stalker. Yeah. He touches on kind of like sadder things and he talks about how like he's not that sort of person, but he uses those that kind of material to like express like, oh, I had this negative thought for a second and I would never do this in a million years in the real world, but I feel like it's worth expressing musically. Okay. So, so I think maybe you almost kind of have that, right? You think like, of Eminem. Yeah, you know what? Actually, actually, yeah. As far as we know, no, Eminem hasn't put anybody in a trunk. Right, right. But like, he still has those like impulses and a reason to express them. Like, yeah, I, I'm gonna regret already bringing them up on a podcast, but like ICP, right? Okay, like. I met the skinny, I never remember the names and I feel terrible, but like the skinny Juggalo one from one? ICP. Yeah, right. <laughs> Juggalo B. And, <laughs> and he was like, it was after a wrestling show that I attended when I was like 12 and I was so scared to talk to this guy because my mom had told me like, oh, they're psychopaths, they kill people. Right, and I met him right, and he was, right. he was just like, hey, did you guys have a good time seeing us wrestle? Here's a sampler CD and he just went on with his day. Yeah. Right? Like I did not feel like at any point I was going to get like thrown in, thrown in the river yeah. around Belle Isle by this dude. Even like Marilyn Manson <laughs> is just a dude. No, exactly. Marilyn Manson, from what I've heard, is one of the most boring people. And yeah. that's amazing. Well, there's this really great, I love bringing this quote up. There's this really <laughs> great like Oscar Wilde quote. Okay. And I'll, I'll butcher it, but it, it the point of it is that like some of the, the greatest artists exist in what they make rather than what they are. Yeah. So it's like it's some of the most like, so some of the greatest artists will end up being really boring people. And then some of like the most like flamboyant, like, look at me, I'm an artist. People will produce some of the shittiest art. There is. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know? they want to be more known for yeah. being a quote unquote artist. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, that, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I do think there's something to that, right? Like, it, obviously, most good art comes from somewhere inside the soul, but it'd be super boring if you were that dude all the time. I yeah. shouldn't say dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, dude, I use dude as a general term. I, so do I. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop, but I called my mom dude one time and like <laughs> girlfriends all throughout the years have always fucking dude. I think my dad and I refer to each other as dude. And I feel like that says a lot about the relationship I have with my dad, which I need <laughs> yeah. to stress completely positive, yeah. right? But it's not, hey, dad, it's not, hey, son. It's like one of us gets a couple beers in us and it's like, dude, is the grill yeah. ready? You know? Well, Jenny, I was just telling you about like, we have like uh, what we had and then we realized like it was never going to fix anything. We had a man dude jar. I was supposed to put a dollar in it every time I called her man or dude. <laughs> And then I had to like spend the money on her somehow, but like it got to be like financially unsustainable because like 
<laughs> I couldn't break the habit. I'm sorry, honey. The dude jar has to become like the gas bill this month. <laughs> yeah, right. See, it, it's kind of funny you mentioned it. Uh, everyone in my band, and because we like only one of us lives there currently, but ostensibly we're kind of from Port Huron, like up. Like, okay, yeah. Got it. From here, it'd be like two hour and a half, two hours north. I was born there. I haven't lived there in years. Our drummers live there off and on. Our bass players always live there. Um, every like kind of all of our early friends when we were starting out there. I wasn't there the day it started, but everybody got in the habit of calling each other daddy, and <laughs> in like the least sexy way possible. It's like you know the wrestler Dusty Rhodes. He used to call yeah. people daddy, right? So everyone just got in the habit of calling each other daddy, and the problem is. Us as like friends and bandmates have never stopped doing that. So there are people that we would meet years later from playing shows that don't live anywhere near Port Huron. Yeah. That refer to us as, hey, daddy, or call each other daddy. Like we had a, we just got off tour. Well, not, not just, but uh, earlier this summer, we went on tour with our friends in Labor Day weekend. Do you know oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely fantastic people. I love them all to death. They, they kind of met us early enough that they sort of got stuck in that too. So we had like, we had like a group chat in Facebook for the tour called Daddies Across America. And like a <laughs> photographer friend came out with us who now I can't understand says daddy a lot more than they used to when they came with yeah, us. So that's I think it's, it's kind of the same thing. And you know what the problem is? There is absolutely no way to argue that daddy is gender neutral, right? Like you, people have right. made, tried to make the case for dude or whatever. It's like, no, I call you daddy. Like this means one of two things and they're both weird. Father. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Slang for father. dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how long uh, how long were you guys on tour for? Uh, just a little under a week. I think we played four shows and we had a driving day coming back. Like it was like a business week. It was nice though. We went out to the East Coast. Which oh, that's cool. I I have not spent a lot of time on the East Coast other than when I flew out to New York a couple summers ago. But like we had a show. Where our first show was actually in Canton, Ohio. Which I don't know if oh. you ever had reason to be there, but it's actually this like super cute college town. I've been like through Canton. Yeah. And that's where the Hall of NFL Hall of Fame is. I'm yes, sure. or my like dad, right outside it or something. Yeah, yeah, my dad worked there for like a, a couple months. So okay. I went down there and visited him one time. Yeah, didn't hang out there. But. Right. No. It. it that, and that's the thing. It kind of doesn't look like there's a lot going on. But like, we played a show in like one of the worst rainstorms we've had this summer in a town we've never played before with a couple bands that were kind of just from the area. We didn't actually play with anyone from Canton. Canton's one of those like. Oh, I'm quote unquote from Detroit, but that means you live, you know, up to an hour yeah. outside of Canton, right? Right. So we played with two bands that weren't in Canton, and they were still like a pretty good crowd for like a Thursday, you know. So like, I feel like people there are down to do stuff, and there was a lot of like yeah. really cute bars and restaurants in the area. And I was really surprised at how fun this town in Canton or this town in Ohio that I'd never heard of was. Right, right. <laughs> I've heard like Columbus is the is the place to be though. Columbus you know, is Ohio. a lot of fun. I I have some family from down that way. Like my dad's whole side of the family are Ohio people. Oh, right? okay. Which which got me a lot of flack growing up because I never really had opinions about college football. But I understand college yeah. football people don't care for Ohio. <laughs> Um, that's just because Ohio beats the shit out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, see, that's not my fault. You know, I'm, I'm a Michigan grad and a Michigan yeah. fan, and I'm say I'll say it. We got yeah. our asses handed to us on a regular basis. You yeah, know, and that's why everyone hates them. And like, I don't know why this is suddenly my fault because first of all, I was born in Michigan. Secondly, I don't know if I look like a football player, guys. Like, <laughs> none of this is my responsibility. But uh, you don't. Uh, thank you. I need to, <laughs> if nobody listening to this podcast has seen me, imagine 
a small unathletic sack of flour <laughs> with like Buddy Holly glasses Wearing and too all much black, gel yeah. in his hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like my whole family's from down there, and Ohio is absolutely one of those states. You can, I mean, I, you know, Michigan kind of gets the same, right? But like Ohio is absolutely one of those states where like all of the big cities are super fun. Like we yeah. played Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is absolutely wonderful. Like all my family is down in Cincinnati, and it's great. Columbus is super cool. I'm down in Cleveland all the time for shows for bands that like don't come to Detroit, and Cleveland's like the closest. Oh. Stop. Okay. Right. Like, you know, beach slang. I've heard. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw them with minus the bear. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I, I, I might've been at that too, actually. Yeah. But like a couple years ago, beach slang was out on tour. Weren't coming to Detroit. I entered this contest to win tickets to their Cleveland show. Cause it was the closest they were going to be to Michigan. Huh. And so I won and we had to get Airbnb to stay at. And it was That's hilarious that you won. No, exactly. It was an awesome night. But yeah, I had to drive like two and a half hours to Cleveland because Cleveland gets rad shows. Detroit, like people, yeah. a lot of people miss Detroit these days on tours and it bums me out. I went to uh, Cleveland once. Uh, Jen and I saw Sebastian Maniscalco, comedian. Yo, yeah. At the, at the Connor Palace yeah. in Cleveland. It was badass. No, Connor Palace is good. Yeah. Uh, um, if you ever get a chance to go down there, if any band you like ever plays, uh, it's a place called The Grog Shop okay it's it's actually it reminds me a lot of the uh the shelter up in detroit where it's oh. like oh yeah I love cool kind of downstairs like unpainted brick basement venue yeah. but like the sound's good it's huge what was it when we were down there who was it, it was beach slang uh homeless gospel choir which was wild yeah and, and ag- that's not the name of something that just what they were no that that is the name of like this dude's like solo project oh i it's thought like, you said a homeless gospel oh, no no no, no yeah, it's like, the oh. homeless, which is just the one right um but no it's like this solo kind of <laughs> kind of folk punk dude but like he's super melodic and interesting and he kind of doesn't fall into a lot of those like weird scott core traps that a lot of yeah folk punk bands do eventually but and it was them and a guy called uh dave house and the mermaid who was this okay. absolutely fantastic very much in that menzinger sort of like dad rock springsteen vein yeah but, like the sound was fantastic the crowd was amazing i got i really i guess I've, I've been paid to come here on like the ohio tourism boards account and i want everyone <laughs> listening to this podcast to know that cleveland friggin rules and you should be there more right <laughs> cleveland's pretty good no I'm, I'm a big fan i'm a big fan um <laughs> i definitely want to go back at some point i've been looking for like it's one of the places that's on my radar now yeah so like like you said, if someone's coming there and not Detroit, I'm like, and, oh, that's not that far. I'll no, go. and unfortunately, the odds are pretty good, right? Because like, there's so many there's so many bands that I've wanted to see lately, where it's like, hey, yeah, we're playing Chicago or like somewhere in like Philly or Cleveland, and that's kind of the closest ones, you know. Yeah. It's stretch to even say Philly's close, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. What is that like eight or nine hours something, to Philly? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but like Cleveland's closer than Chicago, right? Cle- Cleveland is closer than Chicago, and Cleveland rules because you can actually like park on the street yeah <laughs> chicago i love chicago we played there a couple times does not offer that luxury like anytime we played chicago it's one of those things where like we pull up to the venue everybody runs their stuff in all right guys i'll be back in 20 because i'm parking five blocks away <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's tough to find like i i know some people that live in chicago like so i've been fortunate like when i do go there that yeah they'll have like apartments where there is some street parking and kind you of can kind of sneak in yeah 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 and that's that's a super Depends common in the thing. neighborhood i guess but that and that's like a super common thing around here so many people i knew from forever ago like from back in port here on they all wind up inevitably like moving to like chicago or like ann arbor yeah like everybody i know moves one of those two places so i'm in chicago and it's like hey you know if i got a second there are 12 people that i've known since 2007 that i could look up right right <laughs> yeah there's like i've been in ann arbor for so long and i'm kind of getting sick of it you know, I'm wanting to go to like a bigger city. So I think f- I'm moving like next month. I'm trying to go to maybe Detroit. 
And then from there, I want to go to like Chicago, New York. Something oh yeah, like no, that. no. And honestly, I feel like the getting's still kind of good in Chicago, right? Yeah. Like I feel like people still really like it out there. It's not super gentrified or totally priced out. Yeah, like honestly, maybe this is just me being like a bitter townie, but I feel like you're gonna have a harder time finding a place that doesn't meet those criteria in Detroit. You know, right? Like, I hang out in Detroit a lot. We play a ton of Detroit shows. I live 20 minutes north in the Burbs. Yeah. You know, like living in Detroit is like. Oh, and when I say Detroit, again, like we said, oh, Hazel Park. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Know, e- exactly. Like I, I live in St. Clair Shores. And like, if you don't mind, like old dudes with boats, it's pretty cool. And yeah. then like I'm 15, 15 minutes up 94 and Sunland back in Hamtramck for shows. Right? Yeah, that's that's super convenient. And yeah. like you can get everything you want out of Detroit. While living probably in a better neighborhood and like paying or, less for rent, yeah, or exactly, or or at least somewhere where you know Quicken Loans isn't about to buy, yeah, your and your your place, right? Like I had a bunch of friends that lived in this really cool like converted warehouse right by Eastern Market, and it was like the whole floor was just like their apartment. Oh, that's pretty cool. And I, you know, I hadn't seen any of them in forever. I'm going back down to Eastern Market like a year or two ago. Lo and behold, the entire building has been bought by some massive real estate developer. And they're like, ooh, convert it into office space. Move your uh, tech startups in here. And I'm like, yep. hey, cool. Like five people live there. Right. <laughs> Super. Right. Yep. Your lease will not be renewed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, guys. You got uh, two months to box up and move back into dad's while you find a place out in the burbs. <laughs> yeah, it's so fucked. Dan Gilbert. I, my mom works for... Uh, title source which is like the quick and loans title yes, insurance agency. yes okay and like she i mean she has nothing but good things to say about it but mm-hmm. i'm like well just as long as you know that dan gilbert when you walk into the main quick and loans building there's like a a big model of the city oh. with everything he's bought in orange <laughs> did you know that <laughs> no yeah there's like a, a little model of the city and like all the quicken buildings everything he owns is like orange or highlighted something like orange yeah, yeah yeah awesome so it's like he's literally playing monopoly in do front you, of everybody do you like this sounds like the part in like every 80s movie where the bad guy is like a douchebag land developer and he's trying to like raise part of the city to put in some like horrible office park and he hits a button and like a model of the city like comes up out of the yeah. table while the scary music plays like when i was younger i used to think those people could not possibly exist and yet here we are and that's... now and now he owns little caesars so <laughs> does he really <laughs> he i'm pretty sure it's how lca got its name he's involved somehow i might have the wrong guy but i know like i might be thinking of the illich family. That's, that's the illich yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. who owns the half that gilbert doesn't own right and that's those are all parking garages so now gilbert <laughs> owns wait no I, was, I wanted to say the pistons but no that's tom goris it's confusing because tom goris who uh tom goris owns the pistons but dan gilbert who owns a bunch of shit in detroit owns the cleveland cavaliers i was, I was just about to say he's the Cavs, yeah. and i yeah. remember being furious about that because on one hand again i'm trying to show that ohio pride because we got lebron back and it was cool for a second but then like right. gilbert stop right right <laughs> yeah i i don't understand like he owns so much i don't understand like what drives a person to want to do that the illiches are god awful though the illiches like they they got like a shit ton of money in, from the taxpayers in order to like build the LCA. Oh boy. And it was a total bait and switch. Like they had like all these plans that were, they were, they used all these like, um, you know, 3D image, not 3D, but you know, like computer generated images of like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, of like, of yeah. what it was going to look like uh-huh. in order to like, uh, get tax dollars in order yeah. to fund it. And so far, the only thing they've really done is build the stadium and create a bunch of parking lots. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So their you friends know? from Bloomfield can drive down pay 50 yeah. bucks to park there and then drink at the kid rock bar inside yeah, LCA. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's such a scam. Have you it's, seen anything at LCA? Yeah. I've been there. Like 
I've been to a couple concerts. Yeah. Been to one Red Wings game, but that's it. I, I have wanted to try to go to a Pistons game there because, selfishly enough, I was almost sort of grateful because, like, Auburn Hills is hard to get from, from anywhere, right? Like, I used to work in Auburn Hills, and yeah. that's a crappy drive. So, like, when the Pistons were still at the Palace, I wasn't going to see anything. Yeah, it kind of was a weird place. It, it, that, a that's a stretch to call them a Detroit team at that yeah. point, right? Like, say what you will about Joe Lewis, but the Detroit Red Wings still played in Detroit, damn it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but so, like, I want to see a Pistons game someday. I've This is going to say a lot about me as a person, but, like, the only things I've ever seen at LCA have been, uh, like, wrestling events. Oh, really? Because like, they, they tape that's a bunch awesome. of, like, Smackdowns there. They had uh, they did they Hell in a Cell. They still do that? Oh, heck yeah. Holy shit, Yeah, dude. and so they did Hell in a Cell there a few years ago, and I love Hell in a Cell because, you know, that's the one with the scary cage and everyone gets totally, yeah. totally hurt. And so I went in with a bunch of my friends. We got tickets, and, like, I don't know if maybe this is just, like, an Upper Bowl thing because obviously the Upper Bowl is never going to be great, but, like... It's terrifying. The way everything was set up for, like, the actual, like, wrestling ring and everything, I had a better view just, like, watching the Jumbotron across the arena than I would have trying to like crane my neck and look down at where the wrestling was. Right. So I couldn't imagine like, if you're not shelling out a ton of money for like decent wings seats, like I couldn't imagine what you're going to see up there. Well, dude, everything between the blue lines and the lower bowl is all like uh corporate. Oh boy. So (laughs) it's like, it's like, or or like box seats. Yeah. 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 yeah, Like Like, season ticket holders for quick. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, it's like you have, like they all come with like, like food and drink and stuff so it's like you can't just be a casual fan and sit in the best seats in the house it's just no you know what actually yeah this makes sense because like every year for christmas my dad tries to get my sister like my sister and her husband massive wings fanatics he tries to get them like increasingly nice wings tickets and I feel like they've been to one of those. It was like, hey, I got these on a, yeah. I got these on a deal from a guy I work with. You're gonna sit in this box, and there's gonna be like catered lasagna and fridge like beer and all this stuff. Sporting event, <laughs> exactly. Like everybody gripes about it, but like I'm going to LCA knowing full well that I'm about to pay twelve dollars for this bucket of Labatt yeah. and maybe a soft pretzel. <laughs> right. It's like why? Why do why do people need luxury at all times? I, or why do they try to like tailor a sporting event like? It kind of kills your home crowd advantage, I think, because like you want the rowdiest hardcore fans exactly. to be closest to the action, exactly to create like that home home uh, home ice advantage or home court advantage. No, exactly. Like, they're already not letting us throw octopi anymore. Yeah. And now you're now you're gonna just bring out this like catering tray of mac and cheese while I'm trying to watch a wings game. It's wild. <laughs> like this, they did the same shit at Madison Square Garden. Really? And yeah. And then like I read this article, um, I can't in the Players Tribune about it, and it was like. A lot of the like the New York Rangers players were just mad because oh. it, it it totally neutered like what the crowd was like at at MSG because they did all that same shit they they made all the best seats in the house oh. like corporate or like you know luxury type seating where people who go there they're going there to like schmooze it's like a business meeting rather than like fans wanting to see a game <laughs> it is weird that that's a place to be seen at right like there's yeah. like nice italian restaurants everywhere you can do business meetings at like don't don't yeah. take up this space that like someone who actually gives a crap about basketball yeah, using, yeah i love right? seeing the people like like uh like courtside seats with like their business shirts on with a jersey <laughs> over it so like you look like a fucking jabroni <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, I just I just paid like eighty dollars for this upstairs at the gift shop. Now, excuse me, I have like nine emails I have to send about yeah, this God. this like app developer we're buying out because that's <laughs> inevitably how this is. Right. This is a music <laughs> podcast, by the way. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to talk exclusively about my album. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, we can get into that though. Oh, do you care if I chug on that? No, fucking please. Yeah, please. Just, he was referring yeah. to water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I brought my I brought a carton of water from home because I didn't want to I didn't want to intrude and ask for refreshments when I got here, and I was immediately questioned <laughs> if it was milk. And now I do sort of regret not just bringing a thing of like chalky milk and just like <laughs> guzzling milk. it during a podcast, right? Because <laughs> you know what's always super appealing is when people like eat on podcasts, right? Like I should have brought a sandwich. So I'm like, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think I yeah, <laughs> I was like the, I did a two, my last episode was like two hours long. Oh boy, yeah, and, and it was uh, Jenny. Uh, I was telling you about she was interviewing yeah. me. Yeah. And just to switch it up and by like I like that. By like minute I don't know, like hour one forty hour and forty five minutes into mm-hmm. it, I was just like, I'm hungry. Started eating a salad. <laughs> I tried to lean back away from it's, it. <laughs> I'm just like I it's, just it's your studio. I think, it's okay. I think it's okay if you do it. If I came in here with like a whole like yeah. hot and ready and I'm just yeah. sucking it down, then that's one thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I <laughs> I take liberties. Yeah. I'm, I'm my own boss. Yeah, damn it. <laughs> who, that's, who, that's the podcast economy, right? Like, yeah. now podcasting is, you know, real and authentic because Conan O'Brien has one, right? <laughs> like, now now the whole thing's validated. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, uh, I got into this, like, through, like, comedy podcasts, actually, are what really made me realize oh. that podcasts were cool. Oh, no, same, same. I'm pretty sure the first two podcasts I ever listened to were one about, like, old video games. Like games that were old at the time the podcast was created, and then yeah, comedy bang bang or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with like I listen to like comedy podcasts all day. Like, there's different ones that come out each day, and so I'm like, I'm constantly oh, yeah, just, every day. You got like, that rotation, yeah? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so let's let's talk about your album. So there's yeah, hey, you have a reason to tell people to yes. actually listen to this. <laughs> yes. Hey, we're we're back. Uh, he did say we sounded like Roswell kids, so I'm I'm, I'm yep. still marking this in my hat. <laughs> yeah, I put that I put that in the intro. I recorded the intro already. I'm gonna perfect. try to just release this tonight. No, honestly. perfect. Cool. I'm gonna figure out if I don't if it doesn't come out tonight, I'll let you know when it does. Yeah, no, please, please. I'm banking. I'll I'll you know we we know how the social media game is played. I'll get it out there as soon, yeah. as soon as y'all do yeah so when did the uh this most recent album come out um june 15th if i remember the date it was like middle of june we did a uh, release show up at the sanctuary in hamtramck okay we love it there we play there as often as we can it was us and a couple of uh, a couple of our local friend bands um we got the dutons back together for an evening they were this really good kind of kind of ramones core pop punk band that was around for forever but like they're another one of those situations where every member of this band has like two other bands, uh, so they don't play together as a unit that often. So yeah. that, that was kind of nice. It felt like kind of getting the gang back together a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's such a common thing. It, no, it is. Everybody, is, God, especially for drummers. I, I'm knocking on table right now, but I'm so fortunate. James, if you're listening to this, please don't get any ideas, buddy. I love you. But like yeah. every drummer I know is in like three bands at any given moment because nobody yeah. owns drums anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like Noah, kid who plays drums with me, like he's in, I think one band, oh, like yeah. my me and another band, Idio Bliss. I think those are the two where he's like full time, if you okay. want to consider it yeah. that. Yeah. But then he's always playing drums. Oh yeah, no, exactly. Like, filling like, in the, all the over the place. The fact that there's only two that he's full time in, like, says a lot. You yeah. Know, like there might be another one on the way. Who knows? <laughs> and he then he said he wants to start a metal band. And I'm like, great. I'm like, <laughs> Everybody wants to start a metal band for a second. I feel like. Oh, dude, I would love to have like my side project be like a hardcore punk or like hardcore metal band. Like every time I die, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, to yeah. play guitar in. Too. Oh yeah, like, yeah. No, exactly. Like I. My problem is like kind of in the sim- in a similar vein. All of the side bands I want to start, like I can't, I wouldn't know how to write for right. Like every once in a while, I hear something like even like old Jeff Rosenstock with Bomb the Music Industry or something. I hear something with a lot of keyboards. I'd be like, wow, it'd be super to be in a band that was kind of keyboard having. It's like I don't think I know anyone that plays keyboard, and I certainly do not know how to do it myself. So this, right. this idea is already dead. Right. <laughs> 
Well, we started, uh, like, my band doesn't really have, like, a full form yet. It's weird. It's just me and Noah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's fine. I've, we have plenty of friends that do that. Yeah. But, like, we, uh, we're we trying to add uh, our friend Jay from No Fun Club. He plays he plays guitar primarily, but he's got, like, this little micro cord. So we're going to oh, try to add okay. him on yeah, keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, you know what? I think I've seen No Fun Club. I can't say, like, know them personally. I'm not going to, like, walk and be like, hey, it's yeah, me, yeah, the, yeah. the bathroom guy on the podcast. But, like, I'm pretty sure I've seen them and they're, they're I like them. Oh, yeah. They're super yeah. nice. They're super nice. They're really cool. Yeah. Title Fight it was, like, a, a band that they're, like, influenced by. Very, very much. And, like, yeah. but in a good way, because I feel like a lot of people just said they like Title Fight just to see, oh, yeah, you guys sound just like Title Fight, right? Yeah. Like, none of them ever do. Yeah, yeah. No, Jake is very open about the fact that yeah. he's, he loves title fight. That's fine, though. Like it's, the hotelier, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell my sound is supposed to be. Because it's mean, like, I have songs from a previous project that I merged into this one. Oh, and yeah. I started writing new ones. And it's like, I'm super ADD. I think that's just going to be what it is. Yeah. All the songs are just going to be different. Uh, honestly, I, th- I would I would kind of bring it back for a second. I think that's honestly kind of something we still deal with, too, right? Like, yeah. there's actually a song on our full length that we recorded once already that I had actually written for my previous band before bathroom that never got recorded. And really early on, we were kind of fishing for material. We were like, you know what? I, this is the one song I still really liked from my last band. It's okay if we keep it. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like that's still fine though. I, I don't mind like eccentric sounding bands or records, right? Like I don't think there's, I feel like there's some stuff on like our full length where if you just played them one song, if you played somebody one song and then skipped to like another song in the album, you might not assume maybe yeah, this was coming yeah. from the same place. So I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that exactly. Like I if, think it's good. Exactly. Like I, obviously there's something to be said for like a cohesive listening experience, but no, like if you've, if you kept a song from like your last project that you still like, whatever, it's your song. Yeah. That's what I figured. People do it all the time. Like Connor Oberst does that constantly, right? Like there's, yeah, there's like yeah. bright eyes songs that get recorded like twice more later on with just him or whatever and it's fine who cares yeah yeah it doesn't really matter sometimes yeah. like the he does a really good job i feel like of all his different projects having like their own identity despite him being like the center piece oh, of all of them no exactly our, our our bass player sean he's a huge connor obers fan so pretty much everything i know about connor obers kind of comes from just having known him for like 15 years but he he raised a very good point where like some of the bands were like 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 connor obers and the mystic valley band the band that has his name in it is the one that gets the most input from the other members, right? Yeah. Which is weird, but that helps a lot. Whereas, on the other hand, you get those dashboard confessional kind of situations where, like, yeah, that's a band name, but that's literally just him and three friends. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, it's just interesting. No, yeah. He's, he's Songwriting's so a mystery. Pro- he's so prolific. It's just <laughs> he, wild. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine. Like, And his lyrics are so good all the time. It's just like, how do you... Any, just have all that going through your head all the time i don't understand anybody that can write music that fast like i have i have a friend who's about to come out with his like second solo acoustic album of the year later on wow and i don't understand how you could put and they're all good songs right it's not like it's like two good songs and just like five joke tracks to fill out the band camp page right? yeah it's so like i don't understand where people have the time and inspiration to write that many songs it took us it took us two years to come out with a 10 song full length one of them's a 30 second joke song and a few of them are re-recorded from an old album right right i don't i don't understand where people get these ideas from yeah dude i don't get it either oh like i want to think that like my songs are good and like i quality over quantity i no, guess e- exactly but then on the other hand exactly it's like hey cool you just came out with 10 more good songs yeah a year and i don't know what happened yeah <laughs> i feel like the dream would be to be a musician full-time to where like you have 
all the time in the world to it, come it, up. It, or even if you're on a like a, a a schedule from a record label or something, like all right, we need you to have another record by X time it, period or whatever. At least you don't have anything else to do. Keeps you motivated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And even even guys who kind of aren't like obviously on majors or whatever. But even I, I imagine bands that kind of like that Menzinger's level. I imagine kind of how that that's how they have to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like at least they can all go in and like play off each other's influences and like play off each other's right. ideas and just go in a room and hunker down. They don't have to worry about their full-time job. Exactly. They don't have anything else they have to do. They don't, they don't run into a problem where we can only practice a few times a month. Right. Right. Like, and I'm sure it's got some toss ups, right? Like I'm sure they're all very sick of each other after a year and a half on tour. Oh yeah. But, but then it makes the, the idea of being a musician easier, even if it doesn't help your friendships. So yeah. Much. God. Yeah. Being musician, like the more like I get into it, it's always been like my dream, you know, yeah. but the more I get into it, the more I seem like, ah, oh, God, it just seems like oh, so, so much yeah. work. That's just not music. Oh, no, it, it is. It is mostly that. Right. Like what? There's that. What? There's this meme that goes around like Facebook sometimes or something like a musician's the only person that'll load like thousand dollars worth of gear into a five hundred dollar car to drive two hours to play for eight people. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly that. Like it will take me it will take me longer to get my stuff into my car and get to the venue than our set will take. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then you then you have to drive home after yeah, that. Yeah, cool. Hey, thanks for the uh, thanks for the two beer tickets. I'm gonna dip out after the next two bands. Yeah, I, dude, I I guilty of that. Too. Oh no, same. I, I think we all are. Right, it's like I like work if, at eight to five job. No, you same. Know? Exactly. So like any any musicians, either of us know if you're if you're listening to this, and I had to either of us have had to bail on your sets. I'm sorry. We're old people with bedtimes now. I know. It's still like back when I was my last band back when I was working you know, 12 hours a week at the GameStop in the mall and I had absolutely nowhere to be the next morning. Yeah, it's fine. I'll hang out at this VFW hall chugging energy drinks till two in the morning until all the sets are over. That's cool. And like, yeah, that's not, that's not funny when I'm in my 30s. <laughs> right. But it's like you still I couldn't not do it, though, at the same time. Oh, no. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like you love to hate it. Like, I think I think that's still why this band exists is because I still have that compulsion right and i won't i won't speak for you but i'm sure it's a very similar feeling right where it's yeah. like well i don't know i enjoy playing guitar i like getting a response from the crowd i feel like the album turned out pretty well all of this stuff will have to make everything in between worth it right like yeah this, this is the reason why i'm like hounding people to get on big shows or like bugging our friends to like buy a ticket and come out right like because this matters to me and you have to prioritize that over all the parts of it yep. that suck because a lot of it sucks. Yep. Like I just picked up a a second job because like I want to finish the EP I'm working on and yeah. like and when it's done I want to like I don't want to half ass it like I want to do like a full rollout like with merch, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. vinyl if possible, yep. like have the whole spread like that way like I do a release show I got everything lined yep. up like like it's professional but like I realize like I can't do that financially unless I work another job yep. so like i started yep. waiting tables so, like on top of like having a, a nine to five so it's just and all that so that like i can hopefully su- have like a string of five or six successful 30 minute periods in a row oh yeah y- you yeah. know what i no, mean when, and when you break it down like that it's almost more depressing right it's like we we only played we only played uh one show in august and it was a it was a great show and it went very well and i was super grateful to be on it but it was in but it was in grand rapids so it's exactly what you're talking it's like all right i drive two and a half hours to play this hour and a half to play this half an hour block to spend another hour hour and a half watching the other two bands we opened for because i really like them to drive that two and a half hours back home yeah and if you try explaining it like that to anybody they'll think you're they'll think you're an idiot right? right like this is that's not how people should live their lives and nobody else thinks it's funny. That's how you can tell when somebody's a musician because they've gotten used to this. Yeah. 
but at the same time, like, like I was telling my dad today, and he, I was, because t- I was talking about how I got the second job or whatever, yeah. And he was saying like, you ever think that like it might be smarter to just like not do all this stuff and like save your money, and like, uh-huh. and I was just like, well, I could, and because he was talking about I have all this student loan debt. Yes, yeah, same. And he's like, you should try to get out of that, and I'm like, well, okay, so I could do less with music and put that money towards getting out of debt faster, and then I would be. It's like I'm choosing between A and B. A is like get out of debt faster, yep. but then not have this thing I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Or B, no guarantees I'll do anything, go anywhere with music, but at least I can say I tried and yep. I'm doing those things. Yeah, I might still be in debt longer, but there's no way I could ever get what I want if I just go with A. No, exactly. And I'm, you know, that, that's that's kind of the problem with how debt works in America in the first place, right? It's like, well, I have this Guitar Center credit card. What if I did own this Fender tube amp now? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then. At least you kind of, I don't know, I feel like he's at least trying to be like a guiding light. Like, my, my dad... He definitely was, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I love my dad to death, but the problem is my dad was also a musician for a very long time before I was born and still performs in bands to this day. Oh, so the, okay. So the problem is he he didn't do anything to discourage me, but he still warned me of the crappy times, right? Like, yeah. he, he, he loves the fact I'm a musician. He's happy I picked up an instrument. He's been nothing but supportive, but it's almost one of those, like, you know, ask somebody who traveled that road already kind of things like, son... You're going to have a bad time for half of it. Yeah. The other half will make it worth it. Yeah. Now, let's go buy you a bunch of pedals. Yeah. And that's... That's it's, awesome, though. It's been downhill from there. <laughs> that's really cool that, like, you had that with your dad, though. I did. I did. The first... I, I, I like telling the story to anybody that, you know, appreciates, like, guitar or whatever. The first effects pedal I wrote in my life, my dad bought me as a congratulations for finishing middle school present right before I got to high school. That's baller. Right, and I still have it. Like, I use it to this day. I recorded every song on the new album with it. I use it at every show we've played. Like it's That's sick. And it's, you know, it's going on 20 years old, and I'm a little worried it's going to start falling apart, and I'm going to feel terrible, and I have to ask him to buy me another one, so that way I always have one from Dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Like, my dad was the type where he was, not that, like, he wasn't supportive of music, but, like, when I first picked it up, I got the guitar in like seventh grade. Yeah. And I was a really good student. Yeah. All through school, all through high school and college and everything. But like his thing was like, and I was in sports and his thing was like, why did you go from being like this super focused on school, super like into hockey and all this stuff? You went from that to every day when you go home from school, you just go sit in your room and play that stupid, (laughs) you play that thing. (laughs) Oh no. And it's not sounding good. (laughs) At first, you know what I mean. No, nobody, nobody's good at guitar right away. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Yeah, right? like, but it, but he's like, that's all you want to do, and it <laughs> it was, and but like I kept playing hockey, and like yeah. I I got through school because I was blessed to be the type who doesn't need to study, right? You right. know, I just crammed. I was that type. Yep. So it, eventually, he started to understand. Like, so I it was for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I was like afraid to play guitar in front of him because I associated it with like him right. being disappointed. Right, so yeah, he's 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 already gotten upset about your choice and hobby. Like, yeah, hey dad, look at all these models I built. Like those are stupid. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you've already kind of lost them. Yeah, but eventually, like I had come home from college one year. I was like a junior in college, and yep. I was very very confident in like where I was at on the guitar and everything. Yep. So I just brought it back and I was just jamming around and stuff. And then he was like, "Holy shit." <laughs> It's you a, know, it's that part in it's that part in every movie where he like yeah. the, the unimpressed dad suddenly like wow yeah he's great at it yeah, yeah. And it's like <laughs> I'm not you know I'm not fucking Steve Vai no, but no I can we don't need Steve Vai to, to be the Steve untrained ear I'm killing it <laughs> yeah. you know yeah and that's enough for me and I mean that's all it takes I I don't play 
you know, I'm not John Mayer. I don't play. I'm not in a jam band. Like I don't play well, guitar solos and shit like that. I, could, like, I couldn't be if I wanted to be. You know, like right. Oh Lord, like my whole thing with the guitar is like I'm not. I'm self taught. Like I don't know yeah. theory. Like it's all about just like making it sound like my emotions feel i guess exactly exactly like like, you've you've heard other songs you know how those are supposed to go this is just you kind of expressing yourself i'm i i would say i'm closer to that than anything like classically trained right like i'll watch youtube videos to learn like what scale i should play this solo in or whatever okay yeah i'm I'm sure you could tell by listening to the album i'm not exactly freddie mercury and vocals right 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 but i i think that's important right like just knowing you're you're confident enough to know that you're you're doing something you enjoy and you're still getting something out of it like emotionally kind of like having people respond to that i think is the ultimate goal of any musician but i feel like that step one is like oh yeah i feel okay with where i am i'm gonna try playing this for other people yeah and like for me the guitar is just that's like the main medium i guess but Mm -hmm. i think what everyone wants to think that they have something that sets them apart from other musicians. Like right. oh, no yeah. matter yeah. how delusional it is, no. but like what I think mine would be would mm-hmm. be like the the composition, like the production, like yeah. putting putting everything together. Yes. Like like multiple parts. Like I'm like uh the type that has to that really likes to write everything. Yes. You know what I yes. mean? And like and, and and to see like taking a bunch of simple guitar parts, but the right guitar parts. Yep. And, and mixing it all together with the right bass parts and like finding the right drum parts and like the yep. vocal melodies and like the harmonies and that type of thing. Like if you isolate each individual track, it's nothing that's too hard for like anyone really to play. No, no. But it's it's the way it's done, and that's what it, I think. It, it's me, songwriting. That, yeah. yeah, that's what gets yeah. me off about music. That's what I love about. Yeah, it. no, it's, same. Like on, honestly, if if pressed. And there's no there's no way to say this without sounding at least slightly pretentious. But if right. I would probably consider my I prefer to be a songwriter, right? Like it's exactly what you were saying. I my dad bought me a guitar in seventh grade because I was obsessed with Queen and I wanted to learn how to play the solo <laughs> on Bohemian Rhapsody. Still <laughs> can't. I've decided one day if I ever like I know for sure like hey I'm retiring from music. This is my last show. I'm going to learn it just for that and say I did yeah. all I needed to. But it like the guitar is the means to an end. But I could have started playing like synthesizer or something at the same age and if it lets yeah. me like compose music like the music i want to hear that's yeah. the thing i need out of it yeah like i'm never going to be like you were saying i'm never going to be a very good guitar player i'm never going to learn that solo from bohemian rhapsody right but the guitar allows me to put these thoughts down and make a song that sounds like a song i'd like another band to do yeah and yeah. that's that's all i that's all i'm asking out of the thing <laughs> yeah i think i think ideally uh down the road, I'd love I'd love to be a producer, and I think a lot of producers, you know, they use the keyboard because that's yeah. the easiest way to yeah. like express their ideas. It, but and like, it teaches you like music theory and stuff, and I think it's a big yeah. part of why I can't play piano because I, like you were saying, I do not know theory of the slightest. I'm yeah. not sure what this note is, and I'm sorry. How's your ear though? Can you like hear things and kind of re- replicate it? Not really. Like if I hear if if I have to learn like a cover song and I hear it a couple times and I look up the tab, I can kind of figure oh, out. Okay. There. But like if somebody if, if I'm not looking and somebody hits an A chord, I'd have to think about it for a second. Oh, okay. I I, I, I'm not even that far, right? So if you got that, then shit, good well, on you. I I can so like I can hear I can play the note that I hear but I couldn't tell you what it is yes. all the time. Yes. If it's like an E or an A I can guess mm-hmm. because they're so common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I can if you play me something I can just figure it out. Yep. You know what I mean? Perfect. But like I I don't I don't have perfect pitch. No, no. To where it's like, "Oh, that's a C, that's a B sharp." You know what I mean? But it's enough to where like if I if I I can listen to a song 
and not look up the tabs and, and play it. And you do know, fine, yeah. Within my skill range, you know what right, I mean? No, and that, that's, that's a part of it, too. Yeah, exactly. That's like, how I taught myself was, like, writing my own tabs. Like, I started with tabs, mm-hmm. and then I would, like, hear, I'd, like, listen to the white stripes or something, yeah. and then listen to it, and then find the notes on the guitars, this long, painstaking process, then writing my own. Like, okay, that's the note, here's the tab, and then I'd write my own tabs for, like, White Stripes, Green Day, like Blink-182 oh, songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's what and, everybody starts with. I don't think yeah. I've progressed past that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine, dude. You just got to like find your niche. You exactly. Know? And exactly. That's, that's what's great about it. I guess anybody listening to this podcast, like, I think the biggest thing I want you to take away from from any of this is that being a musician is kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. And don't get your hopes up. <laughs> and this is another thing. Like, I feel like I want to start an Invite the Neighbors drinking game where it's like, if I mention the same shit, <laughs> because I... I'm the constant in this podcast. Right, right. I'm like self conscious about it because yeah. I'm only the same person all the time. Right. Like, so it's not like I'm you're gonna get some new host who has different takes on things. <laughs> so it's like it's always my takes, but just the variable is obviously the guest. But the drinking game would be like whenever I bring up a common theme, like I always mention brand new at some point. Okay. I always yep. mention and I always be like, Oh, I hope you don't hate me because I, I love brand new's music, even though Jesse Lacey's a shithead. Jesse Lacey yeah. turned out to be a monster, and I don't want to have to go tell me in high school that. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. So we'll just we'll just keep going because I talk <laughs> about it too much. There's that, and then there's like me talking about like teaching myself guitar. Yep. Or and then uh what were we what was I just gonna fucking say? I just lost it. It was about your dad? No. Everybody needs to talk about their dad sometimes. No. What was the thing? What did you say just before this? Uh, Songwriting. I don't, I've said a lot on this one, man. I'm sorry. Fuck. <laughs> Maybe it'll come back to me. There's like, yeah, but there's... Just, oh, okay. Yeah, music's mm-hmm. hard. Yes, music is very and this hard. This is another thing I commonly say. Mm-hmm. Everyone, there's like the stereotype about musicians, uh-huh. you know, that they're... Maybe like degenerates or whatever. Oh, yeah. but like yeah. they are some of, in my experience, some of the most like crafty, like motivated, like business minded people that you'll ever see. Like they're like complete like entrepreneurs. Like a lot of the, the time these days, you absolutely have to be. Yeah, yeah. like the the little, like the like cocaine liquor heyday of the eighties is kind of gone because now you have to be like your own manager and your own booker. Like I would absolutely, yeah. I would absolutely love to just get like tanked at every show and have somebody else sit at the merch table or like. Yeah. talk to the promoter and see if anybody made any money right but like mu- these days and it's one of those things you can kind of blame the internet for it's like hey cool i'm my own tour manager yeah i hate booking tours right uh, and yeah. so like it, but it's exactly that like these days to be a musician you both have to be able to like write songs and then you also have to know how to like schmooze some bar and yeah. dealing with you for the night well honestly i i've been thinking about it like sorry diy but i've been really thinking about part of the thing i save up for is budgeting for as a booking agent God, you know what if it was like a viable option for like anybody even like our size i'd be super down i, I have do no idea how much it is God. mind you to book I mean, i'm talking about a booking agent who's like not really a booking agent but someone you can pay because they're connected in the scene exactly you know what i mean i'm get, not getting get like on stuff right yeah i'm not talking about like citizens booking agent or something <laughs> like that you know what, what I mean? If, what if you were though? What if? What, well, I'll just call CAA. We'll see if they want us deal with any of us. Well, hey man, that's why I'm recording an EP. You know, you know, you hope that you put it out there, you shop it around, and maybe someone wants to bite. Maybe you, maybe you came up with something that's that's exciting. Somebody somewhere somebody. cares about. Honestly, we're yeah. kind of in the we're kind of in the process of that right now. Like we we're, we're always looking for like bigger venues to like not venues like a physical show venue, but just like bigger ways to get our music out there. And there's some people yeah. we've been talking to to kind of see what we can do about extending our reach. But even going back to what you're saying about having to be business-minded, right? Like, the day our album came out, like, it was after three months of, like, scheduling, like, with 
online distributors to get it out there and like making sure everything was correct on Spotify and getting like yeah. YouTube ready to go for it, right? So like there's a lot of that stuff you can do yourself these days, which is cool, but then it it is it goes back to what you're saying earlier. It is a substantial part of your time. Like so yeah. I have spent more time like emailing venues and labels over the past few months than I have writing any kind of song for like whatever our next album yeah. might be, you know. Do you have any um what's like what's your experience level with trying to speak with labels and can you like offer any tips or like I think the biggest thing if anybody listening to this is going to come out with anything I think the biggest thing is if you're really really serious about getting with a label try to do it before you've actually like printed the album on anything cuz like Right, we, just like we when you self, have your master's. Exactly. Kind of like we self release all of our stuff and we had like a release date we wanted to come out through by. So like we bought the uh, we bought our own CDs. There's a place we're gonna go through to get some tapes made eventually, hopefully. But what a lot of like a lot of labels, just the way especially smaller labels that are gonna be kind of interested in like, you know, a band our size or yeah. something, right? Like the thing a lot of them like is that they want to be kind of in on the ground floor so they can sort of build momentum for it. It's going to, it's going to be harder in my experience to get a label interested. If you've already put it out on something than it would be if you got them involved. Kind yeah. of like, Hey, Hey, the album's done. Do you have room and budget in your schedule to get this on yeah. vinyl and CD later yeah. this year kind of thing. Right. And like, I, I think that's, I don't want to speak too far in the future. Right. But I assume that's going to be a little more the approach we kind of take going forward is just seeing how much interest there might be ahead of time. Especially now you have stuff out. So it's not like there's like the, the onus isn't on you to get something. Exactly. Out. We're sort of a quote unquote known quantity at this point. I don't want to say yeah. that as, the, as though to imply that anyone's heard of us or that anyone's going to be booking us on like, you know, right. giant shows or tours or anything. But I, I think you're right. And just knowing that like, Hey, now that you've played a bunch of stuff we've seen and now that you actually have several releases under your belt that you did yourself so we know you can come out with an album yeah and kind of kind of branching out from there so yeah i think i I guess our strategy was kind of always that it's like hey here's two eps we kind of did on the cheap with some friends just gonna put it on tape and see if anyone gives a crap The, the cd so far has been the biggest thing we've ever done and then we're just trying to build on that for whatever we got in the future yeah yeah so like my plan is to just shooting the shit here but like my plan is to like so i'm working on finishing like maybe like a four or five song ep yeah and when i say working on finishing i'm not even close to finishing it right but uh, you're always technically working on until it's out right but it's we're working on the damn album until june when it was actually being purchased by a friend right (laughs) i'm doing it with like a solid name i'm doing it with nick diener and like like, oh yeah okay a lot of it with nick diener and then we're gonna do drums with tyler floyd okay yeah so like i'm putting it in good hands um then the plan is like to want in the meantime, I'm working on like an acoustic EP that yep. I'm just going to self-release just so that I have something out. Yes. And then while that is out mm-hmm. to just maybe satiate people a little bit, like, hey, come to the live show to see the full band stuff and shop the EP around as much as I can. That's 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 not the worst idea. No, like, you know, honestly, it's, and stuff. at that point, too, if you're if you're kind of getting known as like an acoustic guy, I would almost see if there's any like kind of smaller acoustic shows. You you could play on. Right? I'm trying to find one in New York at the moment because I'm going to New York next oh, month. Oh, perfect! Yeah, yeah, you're already there. I I have a friend of mine that does that. Like he he has a full band, but he also plays a lot of like solo acoustic stuff. And if he's just like in a city visiting some friends, if somebody books him to play like an acoustic gig that night, then he'll just yeah. roll up to that for a few. That's hours. exactly what I'm trying to do. Like I I don't know anybody there. I'm no. just like through the diy tour postings page i'm like hey can someone fucking help me oh no same <laughs> honestly like that that specific page between like that facebook group and some friends of ours out east that's the only reason the east coast tour came together yeah i mean that that works though 
and like i've done i've interviewed a couple of bands like from the east coast and it's it's definitely coming this podcast comes in handy that's another thing I, for I the could drinking imagine. game. I absolutely could imagine. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Well, it's almost it's almost like your equivalent of kind of show trading, right? Because like yes. there's a couple bands we absolutely. Played, there were a couple really good bands we played with down in Ohio. Uh, they're called Who Hit Me and Fairweather Friend, and it's the same kind of thing. Like I told both of them straight up, like, hey, if either of y'all are anywhere near my neck of the woods, let me know. And even if we can't, like Fairweather Friend's actually supposed to come up here near the end of the year, and it was a date we couldn't play because we had something else going on. But yeah. I sent I sent them like you know the, the whole list of like, hey, here's. The venues to talk to. Here's a couple bands you should hit up because they sound like you, kind of thing. Okay, yeah. Right. So I imagine the podcast kind of helps for that too, because even if you're not playing with these guys, it's like, hey, uh, I'm from Invite the Neighbors. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like eventually I'll have actual music to promote too, and then like I can just kind of sneak that in there in the podcast, like yeah. in the middle or the end or something. No, like, exactly. Hey, this exactly. is out. But yeah, for the most for the most part, like it that was that was the design of the podcast when I first like was. Uh, starting it because i i didn't really know anybody at all in like the local music scene yeah and so and i love podcasts and i was like and i had a lot of anxiety about just going to shows and like doing it the old-fashioned way like the grassroots like connection building i suck at that no it's it's awkward it's not easy yeah i need i need because i i don't know like what the lingo is like i sound old because i'm i'm 28 like a lot of the u of m scene is like they're they're the ones i feel like with the most potential the most upside yeah as far as like making it making it is because yeah. it's like that seems to be like the wave they're kind of starting early enough yeah yeah like yeah I, you know what i i believe it in an episode not long ago with uh pat ray from seaholm yeah we love him we've been friends with him for years we i don't know played. why but yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> well well <laughs> no i love pat uh, no we 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 haven't played together in forever i miss pat to death but like pat Pat kind of introduced us to a lot of like Ann Arbor bands or even bands just from around here. Like I think he's kind of why we know Labor Day weekend and they're from, they're from Allen park. Right. And I used to live yeah. down river, not far from them. And I know it's not the biggest distance, but it's exactly that. Like every once in a while I'll be talking to some of those guys and it will occasionally surprise me how big it's not even that huge, but like how big the age gap is. Like, yeah, I think a couple of guys in Labor Day weekend are like, I know one of them is like just now 21 or not 21 yet. Yeah. As of this recording and the rest of them are like, 23 24 I'm like hey cool i was you know 23 in 2009 that was a great year for me <laughs> yeah yeah i'm just like i it's been nice to like meet bands that are closer to my age or even older yes. than me like because it makes me feel sometimes i feel like god damn like i'm am i past my prime like is this never gonna happen for me it, it, exactly we, you know? we we fight those feelings a lot and honestly i think the fact you're even trying is kind of good right because it's like we're we're all like our drummer i believe is your age maybe you're older right yeah. our bass player's got a few years on me i'm in my early 30s and even at that point it feels like i i'm kind of proud of how far we've gotten even considering how late we started i had to have been your age when we started practicing or doing anything yeah like i'm not gonna say look at us like you know we're on epitaph and we're doing great but right 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 we're out there people people respond well to it we're getting on increasingly bigger shows i I think all that matters honestly is just it's kind of half how you who you know and then half just knowing you can put the work into it right like you know who you know is cool but if your band is like that bad or if the crowd is that unresponsive to you then like you're not gonna get booked anywhere yeah you, know? you have to be good like the music has to be good at the, at somebody, the end of the day somebody somewhere has to like it right like, yeah like by good like uh, nobody needs to again nobody needs to be like you know 10 minute prog virtuoso right right but, right but then like if if people aren't responding to it and people don't it, like people think you're a jerk or people don't think your music's interesting it kind of doesn't matter if you're friends with like the cool booking agencies you're not 
gonna yeah. get anywhere. It's, yeah. I don't know if I'm, I, I think I've used this word right, but I feel like it's kind of more of a meritocracy in that case where like I've seen a lot of my friends' bands get where I, I think they should be like yeah. success wise just because like, well, you guys are good and you're not assholes. It could be like a, <laughs> yeah. It, depending on the band, it could be the the ratio to, of like merit to popularity could it, be skewed. It, no, you there, know there's I mean? always going to be those cases. Yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm making it sound like a little more of a utopia than it is. But, but I, no, I, think, I, I agree though, and that's yeah. the thing that like at the end of the day, that's what kind of keeps me motivated is this idea that like I'm okay, no matter what, no matter how I feel about like self conscious about my ability to like become popular socially yes. and things like yes. that. It keeps me going just the confidence I have in the quality of like the music that's eventually going to be out. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, and you you have to have that. You yeah. like if you don't believe in yourself then it's lost already. Whether right? that's like, whether that's delusion. <laughs> I, I think there's always a degree of it. Like yeah. I, I speaking as one, I, I don't feel like there's a musician. I feel like the musicians that still play shows still have just a nugget of it in the back of their head, right? Like yeah. even if it's something you'll never talk about with your friends, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like how songs are kind of like thoughts you don't express that often. Yeah, I, I feel like in the back of every musician's mind, it's like, "Hey, we got added to this really big show. What if the headliner thinks we're amazing and takes us on tour?" Right? Like, if yeah. you stop thinking that, I think the battle's kind of already lost. Like, you can't realistically paint yeah. your hopes on that. But if you still don't have that, just kind of like spark of excitement, like, "Wow, I'm technically friends with the Ataris now. This is this is amazing." Right. right? If you if you lose that kind of like excitement, then I think you've already kind of given up in a way. You're yeah, just, you're just coasting till it breaks up or somebody moves yeah. away. You know, that's why you have to like again. Like I just I have to like believe in the the music that's going to be out and like just keep grinding and grinding and grinding and hope that you get a little bit of luck. Oh yeah, you know, and far was, as meeting the right people, being on the right show. Oh and, yeah, I mean that was that was so much of us for for this album, right? Like I I cannot listen to myself singing. Like I cannot <laughs> hear myself hear when you, it's dude. done. I. I know how the songs go. So, like, uh, the guy that we recorded with, a guy named Tom from, uh, he runs a studio called Cow House. It just moved to Hazel Park. Okay. He's great at what he does. Got some of my favorite guitar tones I've ever heard. He works with a lot of, like, punk bands and stuff. He, like, he would send us the masters, and I'd be like, hey, guys, Tom, put the masters in Dropbox. Please tell me what you think because I'm at work and I cannot I cannot listen to myself right now. I cannot deal with. So I like James and Sean were especially good for that because they're kind of both our biggest cheerleaders in the band itself. Like they're they're, oh, okay. they're much more confident in the process than me. I will give them absolutely both credit for that. Where it's like, no, Tim, this is a good album. This sounds good. People will like it. Like, I guess I gotta go. Right. I, I, wanna, I don't want to hear this. See, for me, it's it's not I'm I'm fine with uh we all have like our uh idiosyncrasies and stuff oh, and like yeah. our different spots. For me it's not hearing it afterwards. Like I think I don't mind hearing my voice afterwards. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is when I have a producer and I have to sing in front of them. Oh god, that is nope, that That's, is also I hate the worst. That. that is like I've had to do that. I've had to do that with all three of our releases so far cuz we did the two EPs and the full length and like the full length was the first the first one where we weren't super crunched for time, so that helped a lot, but then like Knowing that, like, because you know how sound systems are, not a lot of people, even the new songs we were playing live already, yeah. not a lot of people know the lyrics. And just knowing that, like, okay, so there's this guy on the other side of the glass. This is the first person that's ever going to hear these words clearly and succinctly. Yeah. He's going to hate it. He's going to tell me I have an awful singing voice. I cannot deal with yeah. this. And he did not. I have to stress that Tom was nothing but supportive. He was incredibly f- f- friendly and easygoing with, like, feedback and, like, 
he encouraged second takes but in like the nicest way possible yeah so it didn't kind of like rattly as much as you might think yeah but just just that pressure right it's, it felt like i was handing a paper in you know like hey yeah someone else has to look at this now and i hate that part yeah <laughs> like i remember like at one point i was recording guitar and, and and nick was like he said it's so nice but it cut to me so hard his uh-huh. his critique was like Try it again, but just play it confident. <laughs> oh, no. And, like, you know what that means. Yeah, and, yeah, know, yeah. It doesn't mean it's an insult, but right there in that moment, you're like, oh, God, it was, was like, terrible. Oh, it's just like, oh, I, I felt like I was standing with my pants down, you Yeah, know? exactly. Like, yeah, it's that, it's that dream about going back to high school naked or whatever. Yeah, you know? I was like, like oh, don't... shit, I'm exposed. Like, he can see it, you know? <laughs> I was like, shit. But I think it's almost like a good producer's job, right? Absolutely. Like, if you're if you're recording yourself, you don't have that outside perspective, and there's a lot of people that are going to be, like, kind of, they're, they're not going to have that sort of input that they want to give you, right? So if somebody yeah. Yeah. And, and that and Tom did that a lot, but again in the nice way possible. Like, okay, what if we did another take of that? I heard some squeaking, and I was like, okay, cool. So right. I did. I sh- I should not be here, but I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, for me, it's like I haven't done vocals with him yet, and I'm gonna do. Luckily, I know how to record a little bit. Yeah. So I'm gonna do all the background vocals here. Okay. And yeah. send it to him, so I'm not so I can minimize the amount of time. And, hey, just mix this and put reverb yeah, on it. And yeah. And I'm gonna just do the the main vocals with him with all his fancy microphones and right, shit. right, right. And by that point, you already kind of have a guide for the song. And then yeah, yeah. He, he's already heard it. it. It's it's like it's like how texting somebody is easier than calling, right? It's like hey, yeah, song song's done. Yeah, I'm not exactly. gonna be here when you listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> And but I, I already know the time's gonna come where I'm gonna feel like I have to uh, dis offer disclaimers for all my lyrics because he'll yep. be able to hear them over and oh, over yeah. and over. Oh yeah, no, I, I I had to do that a couple times with with Tom. Yeah, just telling him like, hey, like I'm not this sad. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, I'm is, good. This is kind of what this song's about. I'm thinking maybe we could do this for the chorus. He's like, yeah, cool. And like he never he never judged me on anything. So I don't know if he just had to do it quietly to somebody else yeah. when I wasn't around. Well, it's the ego. Like, <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, nearly true. as much as you think that's they true. do. They, they, they don't really care nearly don't. as much as they as you think they do. And also they don't care a fraction as much as you do. Uh, like yeah. it's not to say they're yeah. gonna do like a bad job on it because like again this is the best sounding thing we've ever put out. I love Tom to death, but like it's kind of his quote-unquote job at that point right it's like okay this is yeah. what i was handed i will mix this and master it the best i know how yeah yep and i, I it's just like especially like a lot of the lyrics being for me like personal shit oh, yeah. like that i literally never talk about you don't want to have to explain what this is to someone that's helping you get it into the computer yeah because yeah, it's like <laughs> Because if if I'm like singing about like a substance abuse problem or something yeah, like that, yeah. even if it's like hidden in metaphor, yeah, it you hear it a hundred times and it's clear. Yeah, it's and, like and then you, it's like, all right, guy. Then, yeah, yeah, then I want to be like, no, it's in the past. Like I'm yeah, good it's now. A, it's it's just a song. We're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. And it's like I sing about those dark things, and I'm open about the fact that like I went through those that type of stuff, and I'm oh, like yeah. I, I don't really anymore. And, no. But but it, like music is the perfect place for me to put that stuff. But even in the past, it felt like I can put this in a song, and that helps me get it out. And I can hide behind it because it's in the song. Right, but, right. And then it's just up to whoever hears it to yeah. kind of pull what they want. Yeah. But now in theory, as like when I put it the theory to the test, like right. actually playing it live, right. it, I feel more exposed than I thought I would. Yep. Oh, yeah. But in a, in a way, but it's good. It's I'm like challenging myself and I'm glad I did. You know, now I'm getting more used to singing about these personal things and kind of detaching from it. Like, especially like as more time goes on and I don't feel like those personal issues whatever they are in the song mm-hmm. i don't feel i'm not living through them anymore no. so now it doesn't feel like this tell-all it, it feels more like oh it's it's like i'm reading something i wrote in high school or something you yes. know 
Yes, that's 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 what a lot of I, I think a lot of like kind of more more personal stuff on the album kind of touches on. It's just like this is a there's a snapshot of how I felt at an incredibly specific point in my life, even just for the course of a night. Right. Like, this yeah. is just one night where a weird thing happened to me. And I'm d- referencing that for kind of like like you were saying, kind of the emotional content. Right. Like, yeah, this mattered to me. I'm going to try to express it. I hope anybody else relates or cares. Yeah. You know, like you don't it, it, you know, that's exactly the point. You don't have to be that person all the time. Yeah. Especially like it doesn't like what the art you create doesn't hundred percent belong to you. Like there's this comedian, Crystalia. He yeah. said one time, like he's so funny all the time, but then he happens to be profound sometimes. And he said like 50%, only 50% of what you put out belongs to you. The other 50% belongs to the audience. So like oh, if yeah. you, if you oh, no yeah. longer relate with like that highly personal song, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you stop playing it because your audience might a hundred percent relate out with there that is gonna right, care, yeah. right then and there. You know, I, I had a couple of friends who, after the album came out, and people were kind of sitting with it for a second. I had a couple of friends send me just like the most like heartfelt messages about like what they thought one of the songs was about, or just like how they they related to something I mentioned. Yeah, or, or like uh, we had a friend that, from back up in Port Huron that did a really early zine write up of us that kind of mentioned like what he thought a few of the songs were about. And I was like, I I don't feel like I should be in the place to like correct somebody right like on one hand yeah there's absolutely songs on the, there's absolutely songs in the sound about like an anime series i liked or like the transformers comics yeah. or something because that's where i was at the time but if you're getting something else out of that or if this like emotion emotionally resonates with you in any way then like i'm not going to sit there and tell you you're wrong yeah or that i don't want you to think the song's about that you know like I, yeah I, I think that's egomaniacal to an it, extent it, like exactly. you're like you're such really a control freak that you need to control yeah. others perceptions of it, it well especially with like super literal lyrics right like my dad's gonna kill me if he hears this i've never been a big rush fan right okay and like nothing against rush it's just not for me but then i think that's part of it they're the first band i can think of where like oh okay the song's called by tour the snow dog this is about one thing and I'm, it's very upfront i'm getting exactly what they yeah. want me to out of it that's fine i'm not saying i don't listen to bands that i'm not saying i exclusively listen to bands that don't do that but i feel like it's it's almost it would be harder for me personally to express myself like that yeah like i have what it means to me i have the thing i'm trying to get off my chest if you hear that and you're like wow this helped me a lot thanks like hey cool good i'm never i'm never going to tell you what i thought the song was about right, when I wrote right, it right. you it's not important now totally <laughs> totally oh i wanted i tr- remembered a question i had before Please. yeah so like when you said you've been getting on bigger and bigger shows yeah. and things like that um what are what are maybe like some of the coolest shows you played on or like some of the coolest bands that you've played with? Like, has there been any like surreal moments? Like, Oh man, I can't believe I'm playing with this band or like, if not like, don't, I don't expect that. But like, no. if not, then like maybe what are some of the best shows there's, you played? There's been a couple of, them. you know, the problem is like best shows. Like, honestly, we've, we've been lucky enough to get on so many sh- really good shows. We're just even like, the bands that aren't even on that national level right where it's just like the crowd's fun everyone's having a great time right yeah I, I guess as far as like real big ones there's a few that come to mind right away and i won't try to dwell on all, any of them too long but like um we did get to open for the ataris late last year and that was like like kind of a childhood dream for that's, me yeah that's they, awesome they, they were i had a kung fu record sampler when i was in like eighth grade that had a couple atari songs on it and it was just like super important to me to like hear them and kind of know what they were doing and they're called the ataris so yeah i feel like deep down they were kind of a big influence for me because they kind of did that they kind of do that same roswell kid thing where it's like some of the song titles or some of the lyrics are like nerdy references but yeah like, it, it's there's still like an emotional hook to it like i'm using I'm using this song about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure to kind of relate and explain like a breakup I had. So I think that kind of sunk in really hard with me. And then similarly, we did play with the Smoking Popes. Um, It was our most recent show with the Blind Pig. Oh, okay. 
one of my favorite venues. I'll How'd you end there. up getting booked onto that? Um, just through one of the just through one of the booking agents that brought him through town. Like they they mentioned it was a TBA, and I just kind of hit him up and said, "Hey, is there a spot on this for another local?" Because our friends, the Perps, were also opening for them. The Perps are fantastic. They're very much that kind of like '90s fat rat chords kind of like leg wagon, like Tony yeah. Hawk Pro Skater Punk, and I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. We so we hit up Tony Hawk Pro Skater Punk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. But we hit up whoever who was booking the show, and we were like, "Hey, like, do you guys have room for one more one more opener?" And they were like, "Yeah, come, come on down." So it was just kind of right place, right time, just knowing who to talk to, kind of thing. So right? how do you how do you find like? So I'm asking for myself, yeah, but please. also anyone listening. So like, say. Where do you look to find that con- contact information? Like, give me the f- five-year-old version. You know what the problem is? It's like, it's such a case-by-case basis, right? Because some places like, okay, here's like the name of the agent. They have a website you can contact them through. Sometimes it's just like, oh, hey, my friend is bringing them to town. Here's their email. Sometimes they reach out to you if you're lucky. It's like, hey, I'm bringing them to town. Like a lot of venue owners will do that with us, right? It's yeah. like, hey, I'm bringing X band to town. I feel like it's something that sounds like it would make sense for you. Do you want to open and bring some of your friends? Gotcha. So honestly, and that and that's honestly just something that's just going to come kind of like you were saying, just from networking and knowing people, right? Like our first few shows were at this bar up in Port Huron that no longer does live music, and we're all kind of sad. They might again, but who knows? But it was exactly that. It's just like, hey. I'm a guy that's known your bass player for a few years. I'm going to, I'm bringing this touring band through. Cause Portnery used to get a lot of touring bands. They still do. They still do. But like the venue pickings are much slimmer these days, yeah. but Hey, so-and-so is coming through. Do you want to open for them at this bar on a Thursday? And then from there, honestly, you just kind of, it, it, if luck is at your back which i admit a lot of it was luck and just kind of timing for us but like yeah. it'll just kind of grow from there like hey i saw you open at this bar please come to my bar and play with these guys and so for the there. smoking pope show specifically did you see like they announced the show at the blind pig and then yeah, it would know it was exactly that they announced the show it was one of those things where like openers were tba and I'm, i feel terrible for any promoter that has to put tba on it because i'm sure it's just a deluge of emails from just creeps oh, you've never yeah. heard of that. Hey, one of the Ramones is coming through town. And then you get 19 yeah. dudes hitting up your inbox. Like you guys need an opener for that. So I'm sure that's what they were dealing with for us. They said yes. Cause we had just played it. Do you know, pew, pew, pew. I've heard of them. They're this fantastic, like Canadian pop punk band. They were just on, they were on like something crazy, like late night with Seth Myers or something earlier this year. Really? Yeah, it was sick. But, um, it was the same kind of thing. They were coming through town. Like, a year ago march like real early last year and it was the same people that booked the smoking pope show so we hit them up like hey really had a good time with pew 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 wonder if you need any more locals for this I'm like yeah come on in wow so it's just cool. it was just kind of that right it's just and that and I, I guess if i'm trying to give advice to anybody listening to this who is trying to get booked on anything i have enough photography friends that i kind of know it's the same way like i have some friends that are actors and it kind of sounds like the same way but it's it's a combination of both like building up your own name and then kind of getting that foot in the door, right? It's like, okay, yeah. I've heard of you guys. I've seen you on other flyers. It sounds like you can bring at least anyone to this show. Yeah. Here, please give this a shot and we'll see how it turns out. Okay. Yeah, this is all fascinating to me. And it's all like, I feel, I. it's like a major source of anxiety for me too because I feel yeah. like I feel like I'm not doing enough all the time. No, exactly. Part of, part of being a musician is feeling like you have to keep sending out job applications. Yeah. Right? Like, it is... It, that's exactly it. like I have this conversation so many times with Sean and James and they, they'll they try to tell me like hey dude calm down we're doing fine you're good but it's like no I gotta I gotta come yeah, work dude. and I gotta email six more bookers and I gotta I gotta hit up all these review sites to see if they want to talk about the album I gotta do all this crap and then, yeah 
And then, and then, you know, you get on the one show you wanted to get on, and then you think everything's going to be great when you get there, and you play the show, and it's fine, and everyone has fun, and then the next morning, you're like, okay, I have to get on another show. Yep, yep. It's, it's Nothing's different, cycle. you know? No, no. I, 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 I kind of like this, because I feel like this podcast has just indicated exactly the specific neuroses most musicians have, yep. right? Like, I can guarantee any anybody listening to this, even if they don't know me personally, anybody listening to this who has ever tried to, like, be in a band that's played live knows exactly what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. And everybody that yeah. hasn't, we probably sound like assholes. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, or they're, like, self-important. Yeah, right? exactly. You know I mean? No, and, and again, unfortunately, it's like I was saying about the delusion. I feel Get like, a job, hippie. <laughs> I have one, thanks. <laughs> but, like, but I think that, yeah, the problem is that it's, like, any any musician who tries to get out there I think there's a thin line between like confidence and self-importance and you can yeah. fall off that bridge immediately. Oh yeah. Any artist. No, it, it, yeah. anybody who does anything right. Like any, yeah. any skill where it's like painting or photography or even just like you sell, you run the booth at all the record swaps that sells. Or the dude, stuff, honestly, right? yeah. like you could be an accountant and have that same ego oh, yeah. complex. Oh no, exactly. I think really with musicians, everyone who knows us should be so lucky because we're directing it at something else, right? Like none yeah. of my coworkers will have to deal with that because they're not in my band and they're certainly not right. Coming to my shows. Right. There's like white collar ego that like expresses itself the same way, but like at least we're giving something to the world exactly there's there's some kind of there's some kind of like artistic contribution where it's just like yeah like my dad will tell me horror stories about jerks he works with like all right guys you 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 blueprint car parts maybe come back off your high horse buddy right i don't i don't understand it i don't understand how people get that way but then i'm sure i've also revealed a number of ego about myself just being here talking everybody has it the fact that we identify with like our personal traits is like a little bit ego driven like i've been been really into like spiritual shit like ram das and things like that like just like separating like your ego not being the the full amount of your essence oh like, no exactly like there's yeah. an eye behind the me sort of thing every, every every once in a while i will really half-ass read some books about buddhism and i'm loath to say i'm a buddhist because that's a disrespectful actual practice right buddhism. right right but it's very that that idea especially as i get older really appeals to me in just kind of like a anxiety soothing kind of way it's like hey you know what somebody else got booked on that show i wanted to be on not a lot of people came to this show it's okay there's more in the universe than the things i'm experiencing in and i yeah. don't need to i need to be more grateful and not worry about that anyhow just be like a, a stone in a river just it, being mo- exactly. pushed along you know and eventually you'll exactly. you'll wash hey, up on something good. yeah exactly yeah, real I'll, bad I'll wash up on the shore where the band's over and i can you know sleep in late yeah. on, on weekends or it'll wash up where everything's fine and i'm comfortable with it right yeah yeah i mean it, it definitely is something that like I just try not to use it as like an excuse not to try. No, yeah, you no, know what I mean because no, exactly. nothing matters. You know, what I mean? yeah, right, right. There's like, there's a difference between that and nihilism. Right? Yeah, like, so it's like a good amount of ego is still healthy in order to like pursue the things you want. Yep. It's okay to like have the me run your life exactly. At time like you're like, still you're still existing in the material world. You should still have goals, right? But, yeah, but you also have to accept how things are without yeah. inflicting too much of yourself on it. Like I'm not a super. I'm not like a Christian no. by anything, but like there's like a Jesus quote that I really love. Mm-hmm. That he's just. It's very simple. It says like, um, you can be in the world, but don't be of the world. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like don't like you can you can exist in this materialistic thing and you can play in it and you can live there, but yep. just remember that you're not of it. Like you're more than that. Right. Ex- exactly. Like there's, there's something else going on and you're, it's like that whole preconceived notions thing, right? Yeah. It's like, I only know what these words are because somebody had to tell me what they mean. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't be here otherwise. And somehow we got to religion. I'm hey, ha- cool. very happy. Yeah. But, I thought we were going to get rid of this right up front. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Yeah. I got somebody. Let me take a photo of you for the yeah, website. Please. If you don't mind. Fix my and uh i'll i'll hook up the uh hood up hook up the uh 
other microphone. And Sick. if you want to perform, yeah, no, can I can rock it out. out a couple songs. Yeah, do you want to uh, plug your social medias and all that stuff real quick? Yeah, um, we're we're Bathroom of the Future. If you Google it, you do have to type Bathroom of the Future Band because there are a hilarious amount of articles about like fancy robot toilets from Europe that use the phrase <laughs> Bathroom of the Future. But we're we're on Twitter. We just opened a Twitter because a band we just opened for like tweeted about how much they liked us and finally got us off our butt four years down the road. But huh. we, have a, we have a Twitter at BOTF underscore band. Everything else, like all our other social medias are just at Bathroom of the Future, all one word. Like we, our Twitter and our Instagram are kind of just for sharing memes uh, and show announcements. Um, yeah. And then if you're at all even remotely interested to hear anything, we're on Spotify. Like we're on, we're on, band camp i think we're on title i believe we're on like the one jay-z runs yeah Yeah. we're we're on that and i'm you know i'm sure i'm not gonna see a dime from it jay-z reach out personally or they they were actually were just kind of the package we got like there was a place we were going through to get on the digital distributors and i was scrolling through this i was like okay i don't know half these i don't have oh title that's hilarious yeah yeah so so if you are a person with an iphone that subscribes to jay-z streaming service go go give us a listen on that and tell me tell me how it is because i've never used it i've heard that like they're uh their bit rate is even higher than Spotify. You can get like better quality. That would be kind of sick, actually. Like yeah. I, I don't, I'm actually, I don't know if you saw me when I walked in with it. I'm still one of those jerks that still uses like the iPod I had after high school because Dude, I need to be like, that's literally I have my iPod sitting on top of my, uh, perfect. No, exactly. Exactly. So like, I don't screw around with a lot of streaming services, but like, Everybody else in the band does, and all of our friends do, right? And like, if something is out there that still has like super good bit rates, then I'm probably interested. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I hate. Up. I hate that. That's what it comes down to. Right. Well, all right. I'm cool. gonna hit pause, and we'll get you going. Yeah. All right. This one's called Maze of Noise. It's probably my favorite one from the new album, and it's one of the ones we wrote last. And I think it's maybe kind of one of the more different sounding ones. I think obviously it doesn't matter much when I'm playing by myself, but you know.
Thanks for listening. Eat your vegetables. <laughs>